This episode is sponsored by Postalytics. If you're doing any type of marketing for your startup today, you're probably missing out on one of the most underrated marketing channels there is to grow your business, direct mail marketing. Finding ways to stand out and get attention for your prospects has never been harder. Business people receive over 120 emails per day. The average Gmail account contains over 8,000 messages. With Postalytics, start standing out by delivering personalized messages directly into the hands of your audience to form a deeper impression than email alone. The best part is you can integrate with your CRM to track, trace, and measure the impact of every dollar you spend. So whether you're an agency or startup founder and looking to build out your next direct mail marketing campaign, visit postalytics.com for a free account and start sending direct mail today. If you'd like to sponsor the SaaS District podcast or recommend any guests that you think would be valuable to be on the show, visit horizoncapital.com slash SaaS-podcast today. Thanks again, folks. Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about a leading prop tech management SaaS in Mexico with over 75,000 users and now growing at 25% month over month. Today, we have our guest, Mal Lamas, joining us. Mal is the founder and CEO at Kipperfy, a property management app and SaaS solution, bringing transparency, security communication, and financial control to the space. He is a Mexican entrepreneur that moved to Mexico City to officially start the company in 2017, where they are now the leading property management solution across Mexico. He is also the creator of the Entrepreneurs Club Ultra Founder, a podcast and networking platform between founders, universities, and companies, as well as the, uh, he created the Foundation Mas Vida, which is helping homeless people reintegrate with their communities through physical, emotional, and economical uh, evaluation. So welcome, Mal. Super excited to have you on the SAS District show today. Thanks, man. I'm very glad to be here. So we always like to start off, share just a little bit, you know, summary of your background, past positions, ventures, up until, you know, the funding and running CEO of Kipperfy. I think it was in 2014 that you actually first launched, right? Yes, actually. Um, well, I started, I'm from Monterrey, Mexico. Um, I, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur since I was little. I was one of those kids that sold uh, baseball cards and basketball cards and Marvel cards. And uh, I knew I wanted to be in that space. And... Um, I went to study industrial engineering in Tecto Monterrey. I started my first startup there. It was a platform that was used to sell your homework <laughs> to other students. And of course it didn't work. It was uh, uh, my, my first try. And then after that, I, I created another one for financial services uh, with an uncle and my mom that worked in, in insurance. And it was a trial and error until I I understood that I needed more more experience, and I went to work at a company, a software company, for two and a half years. It's called NASA in Monterrey, and there's where I I actually began my career in in product development. I started coding, and um, then after that, I became like a mentor for an app company over there in Monterrey, and I started. Uh, everything on the on the legal basis for my future company it was in uh, 2014, uh, but I I didn't have a lot of money, so I started working as a consultant. Everything I could do to to gather uh, money and, and funds, 
And I, 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 it took about a year and a half for the first version to come out. And oh, of course, everything crashed. Nothing was uh, 100%. It was just wet on, the, on those uh, in those times. And um, it was a learning experience. And, and after that, I got my first clients and my first round of friends, families, and foes. And uh, we started growing the company. I, I, I launched the official app on the App Store and Google Play in 2017. And by that, we were, we were starting to get some traction. It was called Loft Admin at that time because we only, we only uh, give uh, service to lofts, just residential. But uh, I had the opportunity to move the, the, the office, the main office here to Mexico City. And uh, we started getting a lot of attention internationally. So we changed our model to a SaaS model to uh, international and we, we, we created a rebrand uh, based on an, an upkeeper or a gatekeeper, which the name comes from as KeeperFi. So you can, you can be a property management solution for residential or commercial properties. Well, the Kipperfy makes sense. I didn't even think about that. Now it makes sense. That's cool that the trend of, you know, we have engineers. We actually had another guest uh, who was also an industrial engineer. I think went to Tech de Monterrey. I think he's now the founder of uh, Mi Refraction here in Guadalajara. And uh, he was on the podcast. So if you guys want to check that out. But it's cool as a trend. I'm also a petroleum engineer. You see that a lot where engineers move to that that entrepreneurial route. And I think it's just part of our our mindset. Um, Just to give people a little bit of, of background of where are you guys in terms of size today? I don't know if you can share, you know, team size, user growth. We said, you know, 25% month over month. And have you, have you guys raised additional capital, more money after that? Or are you fully bootstrapped after that friends and family round? Oh, we've we've uh, grown based on our, our revenue and our income, direct income. Uh, we still have uh, friends and family uh, funding uh, when it's needed, when we, when we have a couple of uh, a new goals we want to reach but we 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 started to look at venture capital just before the pandemic and uh, we're thinking maybe for this year we can we can retake that uh, area you know mm-hmm. uh, our monthly growth is 20 25% and we have more than 75 users 1000 users and we give service around Mexico. We have more than 35 cities. We have also international projects, as I said, in Colombia, Costa Rica, Peru, Guatemala, El Salvador. And um, right now, uh, we're just trying to grow, you know. Uh, everything is is based on our, our new launch. We, we made a launch event for our freemium model. After three years, we, we launched a freemium model. So everybody can use the platform. It, it, it just depends on if you want to, to start using a, an app or a, or a web-based solution for your property. Cool. And, uh, you know, so you mentioned you started with lofts. What was the opportunity you saw at the time in the market? Like, what was the problem you knew that needed to be solved? And, and what was that process from starting with working with lofts? You knew that they needed the solution. And, you know, now to where it is with Hipperfy. Yeah, sure. Um, there are two main pillars that are uh, really the problem in property management. One of them is unclear management in, in Mexico. And that time, we see that there's an antiquated management style and process. And this causes inefficient financial control, a loss of resources, among other consequences. And the other pillar is safety and community, where owners and tenants 
uh, are isolated from the lack of communication and technology. And it, it becomes um, a process where you don't have any value, where you don't know what's going on. So uh, if you, like, like Steve Jobs used to say, if you implement a computer for the brain, it's like a bicycle for the brain. You can, you can create much more value for everyone around that process. And that, that's why uh, there are a lot of solutions. Uh, there were solutions before we entered uh, with Keeperfy, but it, they were uh, on the side of uh, internal control or financial, just strict financial control, nothing on the front side of the users that are living in the property or are renting the property. Right. Um, and and you know, at, at the beginning, when you first started, what was the mission and kind of vision? Were you looking to say, okay, we want to be a leader in the whole property tech management space and you wanted to build like an international solution here? Or did you really start at the, at the focus of like a local, you know, the lofts that you're working with? Or how did you approach that thinking? No, no, no. no. I, I, I've always been a, a fan of technology and I, and I know the, um, the career of an entrepreneur in the tech space and I've always been a fan of um, Tony Shea, uh, those kinds of entrepreneurs that that organically became such such a, a force around their community that they became international. So that was that was the mission all along. And and be, even before we had uh, the app, I knew that we had a a great solution compared to what was out there. And and of course, it, it takes a lot of years and a lot of hard work and a lot of money. But we we started with, always with the mission to become the leading platform, and especially in Mexico and Latin America. And did you already have a background in real estate, you know, property management, or were you pretty familiar with it before getting into this, or was this something you saw like just around yeah. you? Well, actually, in my education in Tec de Monterrey, I I was studying an industrial engineer, and just before I graduated in seventh semester, I changed my my career to architecture. Mm. And uh, I also have a diploma in architecture. So my father is an architect and I started working in, in PMP, Project Management Professionals, or a, a couple of projects in Montreal. So I knew uh, what was the, the hardcore uh, work you do in construction. So I knew that there's, it's very, very old school. And just a little bit of technology is a great, great, great difference. Mm. And so speaking about property tech, maybe somebody who wants to get into prop tech, what's important about this industry? Why is it, you know, falling behind? And what's your take in the market in terms of like, you know, growth and opportunities moving forward? Yeah, sure. Uh, prop tech, uh, there are a couple of tendencies that you can measure in, in, uh, in the U.S., in Mexico, Colombia, Brazil, Argentina. Uh, the GDP uh, is based around 5% to 13% to 15%. Mexico, the GDP in real estate is 14%. Uh, the U.S. is 13%. And you know that the, the tendencies that this creates around a global economy, uh, uh, around a developing a country, uh, there's, a, there's always going to be a vertical new demand in cities where the city doesn't have any more space, so it, it grows vertically. Uh, there's a... There's a tendency for rent now that there has been a shift where maybe my parents or your parents, they wanted to buy a house. Nobody wants to buy a house now. It's, it's uh, giving your soul to a bank 
you can rent it, you can move, you can work from home, you can travel. That's why Airbnb is such a great solution. And, and, and you see the new generations, for example, in Mexico, we have uh, 120 million uh, habitants here in Mexico, and 95, 94 million of them live in cities. So of them, 84 million have access to internet, and that's uh, that's uh, a tendency. Even if even though we're a developing country, new generations grow up with a phone, grow up with new processes around technology. So, if you want to enter any space, not 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 prop tech, any space in a developing country, there's so much opportunity that, uh, for example, here in Kipperfeit. Uh, every time we grow to a new city, there's a new competitor there. Mm. And they see our solution. Hey, we want to be like you. Go for it, man. There's too much. There's so much available for a country. There doesn't have to be one. There can be thousands. So there's no problem. And what would you say is the difference you've seen, like in terms of the growth, you know, of the industry, say Latin, or say specifically Mexico versus you know North America or even Europe or other places you guys are. Well, Mexico is very concentrated in, in real estate. It's, it's one of the founding, uh, the, the founding growth, uh, powers for our, our economy. So, uh, you can see just residential construction in the main cities around you during Guadalajara and Monterrey, Guadalajara, Ciudad de Mexico, the, the three main cities that just keep on growing. And there's a lot of investment. And even though you see, uh, as a, as a country, we are a developing country. There's a lot of money and a lot of investment in real estate, and that will continue to grow. Uh, I, I grew up in Monterrey, and uh, when I was little, you could buy a house maybe for one or two million pesos. Right now, no way. You need at least at least seven or eight. So it just it's continuing, continuing, and you see a lot of development. Well, especially in Monterey, where it's really north to the U.S., there's a lot of tendencies as a, as a, as the city grows, very similar to the U.S., very similar to Texas. Mm. So obviously, you know, Latin Mexico, we understand it's a developing country, a lot more opportunity for for bringing you know nice solutions in. On the other side, what are some constraints you have faced when building a growing SaaS in Mexico, like? You decided to move to Mexico City, you know, obviously for a reason. But you know, from building it to compared to other cities, as you know, a lot of startup founders are now building remote companies. I think maybe it doesn't need to be in those hotspot cities for specifically talent and capital, right? You see that in Silicon Valley. You see that in New York. People are moving to to, to wherever to build their company because it's no longer needed. Do you, do you still agree with that? And what are the constraints you're seeing now? Yeah, one of the biggest constraints I see with my little experience in venture capital is we we don't have that same mentality yet as a, as a Silicon Valley, where you can see the potential in a product, the potential in growth and users and uh, investors in, in the U.S. maybe say, this is, this is going to be a gold mine. Let's invest right away. And here in Mexico, I have revenue. I have users and they say, no, how much is your revenue? How much is your, your, uh, uh, your costs? You have to be a very profitable company. It's like, what? I'm a startup. I don't have to be profitable right now. I'm profitable, but I don't have to be. And there's there's just that thing of the old school mentality, the old school financial system, where they, it's it's too much it's too much risk for them right now. I think it's going to evolve, but eventually I, I I can see 
I can see us growing to other countries and, and probably uh, going to the U.S. to, to try to, to, to meet some of our investors. So from the investor side, I agree with you, right? I've seen that here in Guadalajara, you know, talking to some family offices or some folks who they actually got into tech and they invested. But yeah, you're right. They're looking for profitability. They don't understand the mindset of how, you know, startups work. And then they'll go back, they'll invest a little, lose some money, or they don't know how to invest, what to look for in the founder. And then they go back to, you know, real estate and more traditional. So the way of thinking is a lot more, you know, old school. Maybe they don't understand it. And so I think it's just an educational thing, which is, you know, a, a challenge a little bit with, you know, older folks. Yeah, and it's, and it's yeah. inevitable. It's it depends on the growth, the mentality growth, and uh, as we say here in Mexico, we're about uh, seven years behind the U.S. So just k- give it a couple of, of years, and it, it will grow into that. Yeah, generally, what you'll see is that kind of recycle. As you know, some of the younger entrepreneurs who who exactly. exit have some of their capital, and then they'll reinvest into the ecosystem. You know, like yourself, trying to develop that in, in Mexico. Um, what about constraints on talent? So have you seen anything, you know, does being in Mexico City give you any advantage or disadvantage? And would you still you know, do it again uh, in terms of, for hiring teams? And, you know, talent? Uh, uh, I'm a very unusual uh, uh, CEO. I don't, I don't hire specifically on, on talent. I hire on uh, personality and productivity and, and a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of our team is based on people that, are trying uh, to to be better than their family. Are trying to pay their 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 tuition. Are trying. I was. I had a scholarship all my life, and I know the struggles of not having money and just being trying to grind it out and see, looking for opportunities. Even if you don't have the the, the diploma or you don't have the skills right now, you can develop them. So. I, I try to look for that type of people, people that are willing to do anything, anything to grow and, and learn and, and position themselves to, to get more value and, uh, of course, more income. Uh, here in Mexico, uh, there's, a, there's an advantage that we have a lot of diversity and uh, you can see people from all over Mexico here trying to better themselves and better their opportunities. So, so yeah, we, we continually are looking for talent or people that want to grow. And if we see an opportunity, you can, you can join our team. And we, well, of course we have an internship of three months and everything like that to see if it works. But, but yeah, our, our team is right now about 20 people and we plan to continue to grow it. Very cool. Um, and then you also, you know, international solution provider, you decided, you know, you could have focused only on Mexico, but you decided to go into other Countries who have different, you know, regulations, laws, uh, tax rates, etc., different cultures. Um, what have you seen in terms of like the process every time you launch into another city or country? You know, building that SaaS solution for those, you know, many different markets. Um, what's the scope, or what are points that you look at to to ex- enter and and uh, get into those different countries? Yeah, well, not not only different countries here in Mexico. There's a great difference between a, a provincia, a, a small city, or a big city. Uh, there's a, a lot of uh, difference between the the property manager using the technology. So uh, you see, uh, for example, people that that want something specific, like uh, we want to we want to print reports, we want to print financial statements. Like what printing? You can use it on your app, and they they don't understand yet that 
they don't have to print it out like the the, the old times, you know. And and in other countries, for example, in, in Colombia, they are very used to, well, depending on, on the city, but in Bogota, uh, we have a couple of projects there. They're very used to apps and very used to technology. And Rappi is from Colombia. And, and you can see that they are very willing to use and adapt a, a, a mobile phone. And maybe they want... Is some kind of language that is expressed uh, for the regional users, and that's very easy for us. We, you, you can register in Keeperify and just select your country, and you have specific words and specific uh, modules that you can use in your country. But the main main goal of property management is the same. So uh, you can you have the same solution. For example, one of our greatest boundaries in other countries are the. Uh, charging with a, a, a credit card and paying your rent through a through a bank in another country uh, there's a regulation there as you said and you can you have to pay some taxes but we we solve it as the community grows so in uh, in when we, when we start a new country it depends on how many users how many properties and then i travel there and then do everything around it so we can charge and and just keep it going. So does your pricing change depending on every time you, you move to a different city or do you have a flat kind of pricing model? Well, we have a flat, a flat rate, okay. $5 mm-hmm. for a premium uh, version, $5 per unit. We call mm-hmm. it a unit because it can be an office, it can be an apartment, a house, uh, it can be any type of, of, uh, of building. Got it. In terms of your your product roadmap, can you speak a little bit? You know, what does you know some other product solutions or other integrations that you're looking to implement in the next year? Because I know you mentioned you're looking to raise, you were looking to raise, you know, before uh, the pandemic. Um, well, what are you kind of you know from your perspective? What's on your pitch deck that you're looking to to raise money for and build out? Oh yeah, uh, there, there are a lot of opportunities around uh, our solution. Um, I. I went into when the pandemic started like heavily, when everything started to shut down, uh, I, I tried to channel myself into, into the great minds of the last pandemic that they created. Uh, like Isaac Newton created the, the, the formulas for physics in a pandemic. And it was like, I have all this time. I can, I can get myself into one one thing I want to study, and and I came up with seven new revenue streams around Keeperify, <laughs> and and all of them could be profitable in one time. Uh, uh, even analytics around our users, uh, commercial services around our users. Uh, there are a lot of opportunities, but everything takes time. Everything takes money, so it depends on how much capital we want. I. I also created uh, a pitch deck, and I have ma- more or less uh, about one point five million dollars where would we would be looking in the next year. Okay, um, so that's that's for Kipperify. I want to talk about you know more more generally. If you were say starting over again today, and you're looking to get into this real you know real estate space, uh, maybe in Latam or, or not, what are some maybe other opportunities in the real estate industry that you see? For a SaaS solution and how SaaS solution that you know can also be improved and maybe a founder wants to tackle who's listening in today. Oof, I, I think there are a lot. Um, the whole the whole rent uh, industry around uh, Airbnb, around uh, renting for a for a minimum space or a minimum time or a visit. It's it's 
it's it's so much opportunity here in Mexico. You can create a service around it very easily, I think. Uh, another one around construction, around uh, PropTech, uh, every process, even financial control around the building process, it's very antiquated. It's it's almost almost uh, uh, written by hand. And, and you don't believe it living in 2021 that constructions like millions of dollar constructions, they still use these methods. So uh, there's a lot of opportunity around uh, properties, around prop tech, and not even in, not even in Mexico, all, all Latin America. For example, I was in Peru and everybody in Peru said they wanted to come to Mexico. It's like Mexico is the greatest, is the best technology. I was like, what? We look at the U.S. as being one of the leaders, but everybody uh, down uh, our country wants to come to Mexico. So uh, there's there's a lot of opportunity, and I think it's only going to get faster, smaller. Uh, there's always going to be a new solution. That's not gonna that's not gonna stop. Mm. Yeah, I, I like that. So you, what you're saying is, you know, people who are managing project, managing, you know, a, a huge, you know, building, you know, millions of dollars, everything is just kind of, you know, not managed properly, kind of efficiently, all oh, kind yeah. of paper. And, and, and there's so much, um, so much money involved that yeah. if you don't have the correct process, uh, you can lose or get robbed so much capital. I, I can imagine that. Yeah, speaking of LATAM, yeah, I know I've, I've been to, when I went to Sao Paulo, Brazil, I was actually, that was, I think, a place where I was super impressed. Um, and I would say it's probably similar to kind of, you know, what, you know, you see in probably in the U.S. in terms of, you know, startups and, and kind of the energy and the amount of, uh, you know, hustle that you see that you yeah. see in other places. So, uh, you know, there's different places, but, you know, lots of opportunity I'm, that I'm excited about to see what happens. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So um, I want to learn, right? So you're, you know, SaaS being a tricky industry to market, being in real estate market, uh, what have you done to have managed to grow your market? So you mentioned, you know, launching into the the Play Store. What other growth uh, and and marketing strategies have worked for for you so far? Mm, well, there are a lot. Um, number one, I would think you have to have a great product. Uh, for example, the architecture around your product has to be very, very well constructed. You, you have to focus yourself on the end user and the end user is, is, is going to be your best client, your best referral. So one of the, those is, is that you have to see yourself as the end user. For example, uh, I've said it a, a lot of times that my mom and her friends are one of my biggest uh, fans because I make them use Keeperfy. And I want to know if, if, if they were living in a property, they know where to click and where to pay. That, that kind of experience for the user is one of the, the main goals that we, we try to, to maintain here in Keeperfy for our growth. And also uh, our, our service around that. We, as a technology uh, company here in Mexico, we are in the business of... Um, evangelizing we we're trying to convince people to do something different with something that I created from my head and nobody knows what to do so so we're we're trying to to teach and make them learn continuously for I, I've been to so many properties days and nights sitting beside the property manager 
to help them clean their financial statements, help them upload their information to keep perfect. Years, 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 years. Because this is the software doesn't do miracles. You have to be the customer service around the software so that your user knows knows that it's a great solution and they that you have their back because there's going to be a resistance and there's going to be a, a learning curve at the beginning. So you have to be beside them to help them grow, to help them get comfortable with that with the application, and and then. That's gonna be my my best my best salesman ever. She, he's gonna tell everybody about Keeperfy, and then our, our user base starts to grow. So, I think that's that's one of the the main reasons why new companies here in Mexico don't succeed. Uh, they focus on their day to day. They want to spend all their cash on their new offices and great uh, desk and great. Uh, uh, Boards and TVs, and what about the user? What about the user? Go to the user. Don't eat for a couple of days. Be with the user. Help them and spend on only what's necessary. That your cash flow is the oxygen of the company. You can't spend it just because you say I'm an entrepreneur. I have to get new suits. F the suit, man. Just go with your user. Help them. Give value, and then. And then, a little by little, you'll see a couple of revenue. It starts. It starts building, but it takes a lot of work, a lot of patience. I I work uh, Sunday to Sunday, and 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 I've been on this for years. But but I think that's um that's one of our biggest uh, one of our biggest uh, powers here in here in Mexico. We. We help our users, and since I have a background in product management, we help our users. I'm not kidding. We even with financial statements, not even in Keeperfy, just the financial statements of their job. Like, okay, I'm gonna help you clean them, and then we'll upload them to Keeperfy. It's not even my job, but I'll do it with you. Yeah, yeah. it's funny you mentioned that. So, I've, uh, so you, it seems like you're focused on two things, you know, product like growth. And then referrals, part of that kind of virality and letting people kind of word of mouth drive it. But it's funny, you know, you mentioned those founders here in, in Mexico. I've, I've seen the exact same thing, right? Where, you know, they're, they're in the, ho- the hottest part of the city. They rent the biggest office, buy all the equipment, desks, newest yes. computers, a huge team. Three months later, the downsizing, 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 and then they're out. So it was all about the status and, you know, how, how they raise money. I'm like, dude, you, you haven't made any money and you're spending all that. So and, and then you wonder why the investors are not you know coming back and, and you know investing more. They go back to real estate because like yeah, there, there's a scary <laughs> statistics here in Mexico that seven out of ten new companies in Mexico don't pass the first year. It's scary, and why? Because they all make the same mistakes. They don't focus on. Uh, one thing, doing one thing only. You don't have to even have an office. I remember our first office. We already had clients before our first office, and our first office was an office in Monterrey. If you've ever been to Monterrey, it's 40 degrees outside. We didn't even have an air conditioning. We had a, a Costco a Costco table that I borrowed from my parents, and the one thing that we do, did every day was get clients. That's it. Okay. Just get clients, get clients, get clients. The rest will come, but first things first, you need to to contain the oxygen of the company and then and then invest and reinvest. 
by now we all, of course we have a, a, a Google AdWords campaigns and we have a lot of things around, but but it took us years to get to that level. Yeah. And I was actually on a podcast earlier today and the question was asked, you know, if somebody's looking to raise capital, what advice do you have? I said, use your, use your clients. That's your best source of, of capital. Like l- get that revenue and then worry about, you know, if you really need capital to really fuel it, then you can worry about it. They're your best. Your customers will provide your capital, they'll pay your bills and they'll give you feedback and teach you on what you need to build. So like, yeah, like Bill, Bill Gates says, um, thank your clients that they pay you to better your product. Exactly. You're getting paid yeah. to learn. Paid to, yeah. yeah. They're paying you for, a, for an awful product that doesn't work. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Uh, what would you say is like when you went to other countries, U.S., Peru, Colombia, uh, what, what works there? What's your go-to-market strategy for, you know, is it the same in every region or do you have something different that you have to adjust to? Uh, well, we have a, we have a growth plan, uh, starting with, uh, with the countries that have a, a more tendency like, uh, like Mexico in, in prop tech, in, in property management. And that's especially in Guatemala, uh, Colombia and Peru. It's very, very, uh, uh, aligned to our Mexican philosophy in property management. But, uh, as, as we grow, uh, for example, we got, we have a, a, a couple of projects in, in uh, Spain uh, that haven't uh, yet uh, materialized or haven't yet become formal. But there's somebody over there that's saying, hey, Kipperfight could work here and I want to be your representative. And say, hey, look for clients and then you give me a call, you know? So so we, we see that this could be a, a, a solution for all world. Of course, the US, it's very crowded. And they have a lot of capital. And uh, but you don't want to go uh, boxing in the ring with Mike Tyson, you know. Mm-hmm. You just want to stay away from them. Let them keep the U.S. and there are a lot of countries around it. So, so I think if if we maintain our growth, if we use our oxygen correctly, eventually uh, get funding from VCs. Uh, the sky's the limit. There's no there's no reason why this this will not grow into a multi million dollar company. And so when you go into like Peru, has that just been organically like people from Peru are yeah. finding you or are you going to Peru and saying, hey, we're doing a Google AdWords or Facebook strategy targeting Peru? No, no, no. Our, our countries that are right now active have been organically because nice. projects or referrals of projects have have uh, come to us. For example, right, right now we, we're starting uh, about 20 projects in, in Guatemala and that came organically around one of our clients. He was developing a lot of, uh, of properties in Guatemala. Somebody heard about Kipperfy, so we started a process, but we didn't even uh, look at Guatemala. Nice. And then on the on the opposite side, so in terms of marketing strategies, you guys have tested. Uh, I think you know it's part of every entrepreneur's journey. What what hasn't worked in terms of uh, growth strategy that you hoped did that would work well for Kipperfy? What hasn't worked? Yeah, what failed? Or what would you say are failed experiments, and you wouldn't do what, it again? What will never work is that users download it and use it uh, forever without us. Uh, that that doesn't work. Uh, we, we're still a small company with a small solution, small solution. So uh, users that enter our platform, uh, they, they still want to be in touch with somebody. We haven't grown to that yet. So we've made marketing strategy, strategies so that it, it can be... Uh, very self uh, user growth 
uh, they can enter our, our, our platform, register, and they can go to our videos, tutorial videos. They can upload their information. But that's uh, 1% of our clients. There's still a lot of demand for people trying to be beside us as they grow. And I think that's going to that's gonna change eventually. Uh, if you remember um, Brian Chesky, he says that, one of uh, one of his his duties at the beginning of Airbnb was to go help people set up their camera, uh, so they can set up their profile in Airbnb, their camera. And he went property by property to help. Them. I remember you you created an Airbnb profile. You need to take a picture. That's the that's the beginning, you know. And mm-hmm. and we're very conscious of that. It has to be a, an effort at the beginning. If if it were easy. Everybody would do it. And what was the so you know with that? It sounds like you know you need demo, you need that more handholding, and it's less of a self serve model where you can actually go through it and upgrade. It's it's very you know unlikely that people will will uh, you know pay for that. Um, why the decision to go to the freemium model then? Well, because uh, we we always try to have a statistics of our of our sales team. Uh, what what are the comments if if it's too expensive? And why don't they like it? And one of our main uh, our main reasons why we we had we didn't have enough growth was people uh, thought it was very expensive without without trying it out because they're not accustomed to using technology and they're not accustomed to paying for technology in that process. So if you're an if you're an old school administrator or pro- a property manager and you've never paid for this solution. Why would you start paying now? Mm. You know, so so at the beginning, it's like uh, use our platform. We have a 14-day uh, trial, and they were no, I don't want to use it. Just give me the cost. And I was like, what? Come on, first use it. No, I don't want to use it. Give me a cost. It's like it costs five dollars. It's too expensive. Thank you. It's like what? You don't even know what it is. So uh, I created the freemium model to eliminate that. You can use it for free. Use it for free. And if you want to upgrade, give me a call. Mm. Interesting. I wonder how that'll pan out. I wonder if the yeah. the demo model might work better. Like, look, we don't even give you the price until you sit on and we'll show you how it's worked. And maybe that'll... Yeah, well, <laughs> we tried that. We tried yeah. not giving the price and then no. we couldn't. We couldn't. Mm. Like People would stop, would stop us and... I don't want to know more about the product. Give me a price. Like what? <laughs> Let me show you the solution first. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Well, yeah, it's been it's been a month. Uh, actually, yesterday uh, it's been a month since the freemium model came out. Uh, we have a campaign around it. We we uh, uh, made a raffle for a video, a security video camera for everybody that registered their property for free, and uh, we 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 have uh, users that we don't normally have. It's, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's beginning to, to grow. So we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. Hey guys, just taking a quick break here. If you guys didn't already notice, this episode is jam-packed with value. So what we decided to do is actually split the episode into two separate episodes. So stay tuned for later this week where we release the second part of this episode. <laughs> 